This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you could have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Have you ever wondered how to say good morning in Italian? Or what is goodbye in French? You can ask Alexa. Just say, what is happy birthday in German? Or how do you say hello in Japanese? Do you want to know how to say I love you in Spanish? Ask Alexa and start learning a new language today. The breaking news tonight, coronavirus hits the Pentagon, putting the nation's top military officers in quarantine as the president is eager to return to the campaign trail, even though he could still be contagious. An eerily quiet West Wing is disinfected by hazmat crews as the president's physician releases a four-sentence update on his condition. And President Trump sends the stock market reeling by saying there will be no stimulus before Election Day. Coronavirus infiltrates command. Many senior military leaders at the White House a week ago seen without masks. After the vice commandant of the Coast Guard test positive, the nation's top general quarantine. What does that mean for national security? Desperate plea after the president tells Americans not to be afraid of COVID, the widow of Broadway actor Nick Cordero responds. We, we saw what this disease can do, so guess what? We are afraid. An appeal for unity. Joe Biden in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, calls for healing of the nation's divisions. As Michelle Obama accuses the president of stoking fears. It's morally wrong. And yes, it is racist. But that doesn't mean it won't work. Hurricane Delta, a Category 4, rapidly intensifies. The monster storm could be the 10th named storm to hit the U.S. this season. The first time in history. And we all know that song. We'll remember legendary guitarist Eddie Van Halen, whose band topped the charts for two decades. This is the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell. Reporting from the nation's capital, 
Good evening, and thank you for joining us. We are going to begin with breaking news. The coronavirus outbreak that began in President Trump's inner circle is growing. Tonight, another White House staffer and a senior military leader who was with the president on Sunday have been infected. And as we come on the air, nine four-star officers, including all but one member of the Pentagon's top brass, the Joint Chiefs of Staff, are under quarantine. Think about that. President Trump, meantime, appears to be governing by tweet from the White House residence, where he is still being treated for coronavirus. Tonight, the president is ordering his Treasury secretary and Republican lawmakers to stop negotiating with Democrats on a multi-trillion dollar stimulus bill designed to help millions of Americans who are out of work due to COVID-19. The president says he'll return to the table if he's reelected. And he says he's ready to debate Vice President Biden next week. Now, the president's doctor did not address if that would be possible or even safe, nor did he take questions about the president's condition today. Instead, he released what was a short statement saying that the president's vital signs remain stable and that the president reports having no symptoms. And tonight, the president appears anxious to convince the country on Twitter and in videos produced by his staff that he is well and in charge. There's a lot of new reporting to get to tonight. Our team of correspondents is standing by. CBS's Ben Tracy is going to lead off our coverage tonight from the White House. Good evening, Ben. Nora, good evening. So President Trump would like to give a live address to the nation, and the White House is still exploring options for him to do that. But for now, he's sending out messages on Twitter. A lot of his staff here at the White House is now either in quarantine or working from home. One staff member still left in the building today told me the West Wing is eerily quiet. Tonight, President Trump is abruptly ending negotiations with Democrats over a new COVID stimulus bill, tweeting, I am rejecting their request, and immediately after I win, we will pass a major stimulus bill. His own Federal Reserve chairman warned of tragic fallout. Too little support would lead to a weak recovery creating unnecessary hardship for households and businesses. As crews in hazmat suits disinfect parts of the White House, the coronavirus outbreak in the president's inner circle grows. The virus now infecting his top staffers, communications aides, and now reportedly one of his military aides. I don't want to go backwards. The president's doctors, who have not briefed reporters since the president left the hospital, sending out this four-sentence update after meeting with him today, saying his vital signs are stable and that the president reported he has no symptoms. And now I'm better and maybe I'm immune. I don't know. The president is acting as if he's fully recovered, wanting to return to the Oval Office and the campaign trail, even though he's still believed to be contagious and on powerful medications, including the steroid dexamethasone. Doctors say a patient's energy level can dramatically crash once treatment ends. President Trump's doctors have also not released the results of his chest x-rays, which would reveal if he has lung damage or pneumonia. In a highly choreographed made-for-TV spectacle, President Trump returned to the White House Monday. Despite still being infected, he removed his mask, stood on the White House balcony, and told Americans the virus is not that big of a deal. In a video, he later tweeted out. Don't let it dominate you. Don't be afraid of it. You're going to beat it. That brought a sharp rebuke from some families who have lost loved ones. Amanda Clute's husband and Broadway star Nick Cordero died of COVID in July. Let it dominate your life? No one's letting it. Nick didn't let it. It wasn't a choice. Have some empathy to the people who are suffering and grieving. 
With more than 210,000 Americans killed by COVID-19, President Trump is again comparing it to the flu. Tweeting today, we have learned to live with it, just like we are learning to live with COVID. But in just seven months, COVID-19 has killed more people in the U.S. than flu has in the past five years combined. Twitter flagged the president's tweet for misleading information. Facebook took it down. First Lady Melania Trump's office just released this memo saying that staffing in the White House residence has been reduced. And for those staff members that do remain, some of the butlers, the valets, the housekeepers, they will have to wear full PPE when they come in contact with the president and the First Lady. Nora. Extraordinary to think about White House staff trying to having to suit up in order to work there. Ben Tracy, thank you. Tonight, the other stunning news here in Washington, the nation's top general and other military leaders are in quarantine after possible exposure to the coronavirus, raising concerns about the implications for our national security. CBS's David Martin reports tonight from the Pentagon. Virtually all the senior most military officers in the Pentagon are now quarantined and working from home, starting with the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, General Mark Milley, and the vice chairman, General John Hyten who was in charge of the military's response to the coronavirus. Nine four-star officers, including the heads of the Army, Navy, and Air Force, met last Friday with the vice commandant of the Coast Guard, Admiral Charles Ray, who tested positive on Monday. It is not known where Ray contracted the virus. But on the Sunday after that Rose Garden announcement of President Trump's Supreme Court nominee, now considered a super-spreader event, The admiral and some of the other now quarantined officers attended this largely maskless White House ceremony honoring Gold Star families. Defense Secretary Esper was also there, but was not in any of the subsequent face-to-face meetings with Admiral Ray. Today, at an arrival ceremony for a visiting defense minister, Esper was wearing a mask, which is required for everyone entering the Pentagon. The chain of command for military operations runs from the president to the secretary of defense to combatant commanders around the world. Even with the joint chiefs working from home, the Pentagon insists there is no change to the operational readiness or mission capability of the U.S. armed forces. The Pentagon is conducting contact tracing of all the admirals as well as any of their staff who met with Admiral Ray. So far, there are no positive tests, but the quarantine will remain in effect until next week. Nora? As they remain extra careful, David Martin, thank you. And amid that news of the top military brass going into that quarantine and the growing outbreak that's happening at the White House, we want to bring in CBS News Chief Medical Correspondent Dr. John LaPook. All right, contact tracing, one of the most important things you can do to help slow an outbreak. But the White House has reportedly rejected the CDC's help to do just that. What does that tell us? You know, contact tracing is the basic detective work that helps you figure out if somebody's infected without knowing it and potentially spreading the infection to other people. If you bring back that picture from David Martin's piece, take a look at it. It was nine days ago. We know that several people there subsequently tested positive for the virus. Look around. Not many people are wearing masks, almost nobody. It's inside. And we now know that inside from the CDC that the virus can spread not only six feet, but beyond six feet in these small droplets, these aerosols. And it's a crowded room. Now, we don't know if this is a site of where other people got infected, but that's what contact tracing will help you figure out. 
one of the concerns, definitely. I want to ask you about the president's condition. We learned just from a small statement that his doctor said the president's vitals are stable. Mm-hmm. He's not reporting any symptoms. Does that mean he's in the clear? No. We know that, especially in the second week, you can have this so-called inflammatory phase. That's where the body's own immune system ends up attacking itself and doing more harm sometimes than the virus itself. And that's why he's on dexamethasone, which is a very powerful steroid that can decrease inflammation. But there are some, te- some side effects, and those include masking potentially important symptoms like fever and just not feeling well. It can elevate mood and it can cause insomnia. So you know that he's going to be looked at very, very closely. Dr. John LaPook, thank you so much. The election is now exactly four weeks away, and there are two new national polls that show Joe Biden is expanding his lead. And as we saw long lines in Indiana with early voting starting today in the Hoosier state, and a new report tonight shows more than four and a half million Americans have already cast their ballot. That's a record. Here's CBS's Ed O'Keefe. Speaking at Gettysburg, the site of the Civil War's greatest battle and one of the nation's greatest speeches, at a time of deep national discord, Joe Biden called today for another truce. We have too bright a future to have a it's shipwrecked on the shoals of anger and hate and division. Too many Americans see our public life not as an arena for mediation of our differences, but rather they see it as an occasion for total unrelenting partisan warfare. Biden sought to reinforce an argument he's made since he began his campaign, that he can unify the country. I'm running as a proud Democrat, but I will govern as an American president. And while Biden didn't mention the president's illness, he made reference to his approach to the coronavirus. Wearing a mask is not a political statement. The former vice president's calls for unity came after a remarkable video message today from former First Lady Michelle Obama, who once again urged Americans to vote and sharply criticized President Trump. But they're going to destroy the suburbs. Faulting him and his supporters for stoking racial tensions. So what the president is doing is once again patently false. It's morally wrong. And yes, it is racist. In a video recorded before the president announced his COVID diagnosis, she criticized his handling of the pandemic. And our commander-in-chief, sadly, has been missing in action. The pandemic continues to reshape the campaign. Today, aides to Vice President Pence said he doesn't want plexiglass to divide him from Senator Kamala Harris at tomorrow's VP debate in Utah. Debate organizers have said they will use plexiglass for health and safety reasons, but didn't specify where. Meanwhile, the president tweeted today he intends to debate next Thursday in Miami. But will it happen in person? There's talk of a potential virtual debate. Aides to Harris say she'll do whatever debate organizers decide to do, and they say that a fight over plexiglass, quote, tells you everything you need to know about why their COVID response is a failure. Nor are those polls you mentioned show Biden leading nationally by anywhere between 14 and 16 points with just 28 days to go. Ed O'Keefe, thank you. President Trump is pushing hard for a vaccine before Election Day, but tonight the FDA says it still needs to put safety first. We get more on this from CBS's Meg Oliver. Tonight, new guidelines posted by the FDA all but close the door on a vaccine by Election Day. Companies hoping for approval now need two months of safety data first. The White House had initially pushed back on the new standard. We seek to create neutral regulators for a reason. We want certain decisions to be divorced from commercial or political considerations. And we still have 
a ways to go. Clinical trials have not read out yet. This is the coronavirus continues its spread across the country. Hundreds of schools in nine New York City zip codes closed today, less than a week after welcoming students back. We see a rise in cases in certain parts of our city, and we have to get ahead of this. And tonight, anger at the president's tweet not to be afraid of COVID. This from New York's governor. Don't be afraid of COVID. No, be afraid of COVID. It can kill you. Don't be cavalier. This is just more denial. In Michigan, where cases are up 30 percent, the highest average in six months, outside Detroit, COVID hit the Berg family especially hard. Seven out of eight family members contracted the virus. Parents, Barbara and Norman Berg, died 24 hours apart in March. And that God took them together truly was a blessing because they were... um, Two people so in love after 64 years. It's hard for you to talk about. Oh, every day I think of my parents. Absolutely, yeah. Norman and Barbara Berg would have celebrated their 65th wedding anniversary tomorrow. Here in New York City, the governor is calling for further lockdown measures, including limiting houses of worship, shutting down non-essential businesses, and telling restaurants delivery only. Nora. Meg Oliver, thank you. Now to that monster storm threatening millions along the Gulf Coast. Hurricane Delta exploded into a major Category 4 hurricane overnight. CBS's Lonnie Quinn joins us now. So, Lonnie, when do we think this could make landfall? Well, for the Yucatan Wednesday, for the U.S. coastline around the Gulf Coast, looks like Friday, late in the day. Right now, you have 145-mile-per-hour winds. It's a Category 4 storm. It's 215 miles east-southeast of Cozumel. This is going to move right over the Yucatan, and potentially, with 155-mile-per-hour winds, the strongest hurricane to ever make landfall in the Yucatan. Then it's going to make the big curve once it gets into the Gulf of Mexico. And watch this. Nora, right towards the Louisiana coastline as a Category 3 storm. Look at how the models are handling this. A lot of consensus here. We agree it's going to be a Louisiana storm, but look, some of the models are putting it over by Lake Charles, the European model included. Lake Charles was devastated by Laura earlier in the season, and now you're putting equally as strong a storm right on top of it. Buildings have been compromised, and now this. And if it looks like Louisiana has had a tough season, Nora, this is the sixth time that a portion of the Louisiana coastline has been in the cone of a major storm this season. It's been very active there. All right, Lonnie, thank you. Tonight, a rookie police officer in Texas is facing murder charges after shooting and killing an unarmed black man. Witnesses say the victim had been trying to break up a fight. Here's CBS's Maria Villarreal. No justice! No peace! Protests in another place, chanting another name. This time in the East Texas town of Wolf City, where Jonathan Price was shot and killed by a police officer Saturday night. Tonight, 22-year-old Sean Lucas is in custody, charged with murder. He'd only been on the job for six months and is being held on a million-dollar bail. Price was reportedly trying to break up a domestic dispute at a gas station. The Texas Rangers, who are investigating the incident, say Lucas, upon arrival, encountered Price, who resisted arrest in a non-threatening posture and attempted to walk away. Officer Lucas then tased Price before shooting him. Mr. Price was unarmed. He was non-aggressive and he had his hands up. Multiple witnesses have said that. For his older sister, it's a life taken away too soon. I close my eyes and I can just see him right there in my face. Because when he left here Saturday, if I knew that was going to be the last time I seen him, I might have held on a little tighter. Mireya Villarreal, CBS News, 
Wolf City, Texas. Tough to hear that. Guitar legend Eddie Van Halen died of cancer today. Few could match his speed or his influence to an entire generation of guitarists. Here's CBS's Jamie Yukis. Guitar hero Eddie Van Halen was one of the most innovative rock musicians ever. Best known for his finger taps, playing with both hands on the neck of the guitar, while pumping out hits like Hot for Teacher, Panama, and Jump. He also lent out his talents. That's his guitar solo on Michael Jackson's Beat It. The band Van Halen was known as much for their 12 studio albums as they were for their rocky relationships with lead singers like David Lee Roth and Sammy Hagar. Van Halen was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2007. His death was announced today on Twitter by his bandmate, Wolf Van Halen, his son from his marriage to actress Valerie Bertinelli. My father lost his long and arduous battle with cancer this morning. He was the best father I could ever ask for. Eddie Van Halen is survived by son Wolf and wife Janie. He was 65 years old. Jamie Yukis, CBS News, Los Angeles. As Lenny Kravitz tweeted today, heaven will be electric tonight. On tomorrow's CBS Evening News, a house divided half for Trump, half for Biden, what they can teach us all about getting along. And if you can't watch us live, don't forget to set your DVR so that you can watch us later. That is tonight's edition of the CBS Evening News. I'm Nora O'Donnell in the nation's capital. Thanks for watching. We'll see you right back here tomorrow. Good night. If you enjoy tuning in to the CBS Evening News, there are official t-shirts, hats, mugs, and more available for purchase at ParamountShop.com. These products are perfect for any fan of Evening News, and you can take 20% off with code EVENING20. That's 20% off all CBS Evening News products with code EVENING20 at ParamountShop.com. Hi, it's Stephen Colbert. And I'm here to tell you about The Late Show Pod Show, which is the podcast of The Late Show with me, Stephen Colbert. And I'm here with my uh, producer of the podcast, Becca. Hi, Becca. Hi, Stephen. So what do people get when they listen to The Late Show Pod Show? Let's, let's sell this thing. The extended moments, for sure. Because we run out of time for broadcast, but we have plenty of time on the podcast. It's kind of like being a live audience member of the show because you get things that no one else hears. Listen to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert wherever you get your podcasts.